Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah, a guide through trauma, personal healing, growth, and discovery leading to the ultimate life of joy, mental wellness, and less fear. As a single mother, certified coach in transitional change and adventure, I will share my personal traumas and help you with steps to be free of whatever internal or external chains are keeping you from enjoying this life. My guests and I go beyond the typical conversation as they share their inspirational journeys. And every other week, I bring you my solo episodes where I highlight issues or ahas that I know you are going through too. From relationships, aspirations that have seemed impossible, motherhood, friendships, work, transitions, inertia, depression, my wish is this forum can help you through all of this and more. My mission is to create a supportive community and connection that empowers each one of you to love yourself and believe you're right to live boldly. Dr. Sylvia Kay, I'm so excited to have you on with us today on the Live Boldly podcast. Thank we have matching glasses right now. Like, I, love I jumped it. on and I just went, okay, love her, love her energy. Super excited about having this conversation with you. And we're going to be diving into loneliness. Yes. This is a topic of conversation with so many people right now. Yes. First though, I want you to tell us a little bit about you. Who oh. is Dr. Sylvia Kay? Professionally, I'm a therapist. I work here in Miami Beach um, as a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have a private practice where I see mostly individuals, some couples. My PhD is in family therapy. So what that basically means is that I am trained to think in systems. I'm trying, I'm trained to think relationally. So I'm looking at all the different things that contribute to our behavior, to our mood, basically broadening the context so that our behavior makes sense. Mm. Personally, um, I am an adventurer. I am a seeker. I love the unknown. I'm a mom. Um, I'm a yoga lover. I'm a nature lover. Um, and so, yeah, I live here in Miami Beach and I'm about to go through a big life transition, something that I'm telling you for the first time, and probably many of my listeners who don't know this yet, I'm moving to Geneva, Switzerland, Whoa. July 24th, like that people are asking me, so how long are you moving for? I'm like, indefinitely, like Switzerland is going to become my new home. So I am in the midst of a big change where a lot of things, I'm probably going to identify myself differently in the future. Maybe I'll be saying, hi, I'm Sylvia Kalachinsky. I'm a full-time writer, lover of nature, and I'm here to still seek and question and encourage you to uh, explore the unknown. See, this is, this is why I was excited about this because <laughs> I was on a run before this and yeah. I was listening to some of your podcast episodes where you've been interviewed on mm-hmm. and right away I was like, oh yeah, I love this. It's the continual learning, the continual pulling back of the layers. Absolutely. And the thing that I love about you is that you also get real about who you are to the core of who you are. That's the thing that I love. And so oh. that's why I really wanted to dive into this topic of loneliness because- yeah. You know, tell us a little bit about how did you get into this, uh, this research of loneliness? How did you get into what was it that drew you to it? Where was the curiosity stemming from? Well, to be honest, I once 2020 hit. I'll never forget. It was March 16th. It was my last day working at Mount Sinai Hospital. I was working as the lead clinician for outpatient behavioral health services, basically providing group therapy for people who have serious mental illness. Um, wasn't quite sure what COVID was exactly. We had, we saw the news. It was going through China and then it was going through Italy. I was supposed to have this beautiful wedding, May 20th, 2020, March 16th. I'm like, oh, that's probably not going to happen. And so I'll never forget. I left the office because I wasn't feeling well. And I told, I told my boss, 
boss, he said, listen, I'm going to go home. I'm going to write that. Excuse me. I'm going to write that fucking book. And, and, and I'll try to have that second baby. Can't guarantee that. But I at least I can control the the book. And I I'd had uh, a book in my heart for a while. And so the first book that I thought I was going to write was going to be about self-talk. And I had titled it, Hey, Ugly. And that's an acronym for you got to love yourself. And it was all about how self-talk affects us. So I joined a book proposal group, got involved with an incredible woman named Rochelle Fredson. If anyone listening right now has a book in their heart, I highly recommend you contact Rochelle Fredson because she is the one that's going to help you create the book proposal. So in this book proposal group, I'm talking about the book. And as I say, the title, one of the women in the group, like, had this reaction, like, super sensitive. I was like, what's that? She goes, well, if I was at Barnes & Noble, I, I think the last book I would pick up is Hey Ugly. And I was hurt, but I was open to the, the positive criticism. And I was like, okay, let me, let me take this in. If there was any other book I could write right now, what would it be on? And I, it just came to me automatically, loneliness, hmm. loneliness. And, you know, it was just in, in the midst of of COVID. It was in the midst of the pandemic where we were all really experiencing different levels of loneliness, whether it was in your own relationship or in your family system, or just the setback with, you know, socializing, etc. The thing is, I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I started writing that book proposal, because what I realized, I was writing the book for myself. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, one of the lines I write in my proposals, I was born into both. I was born into loneliness as a child of two undocumented immigrant parents, um, including my brother, who is undocumented, extreme, you know, moments of loneliness as a family system. Um, but then my mother um, had an aneurysm and she died short of 33 and I was two and a half. Um, and so experiencing that sense of loneliness, being a motherless daughter, um, being, you know, in just so many different situations where it's this, you know, subtle loneliness, but it's that type of othering, that type of, um, I would say the universal pain point where you feel like you don't belong and you don't even know where you belong and you don't even know that you're feeling that because you don't really have the vocabulary, you know, to, to understand that yet. Um, but as I was writing the book proposal, I realized, okay, not only am I writing this for me, for the teenager and me that lived alone or junior year, junior and senior year of high school, for the mother and me that was experiencing postpartum rage and didn't even know it, um, for the 30-year-old and me that was going through her breakup after an, a long engagement and was scared, you know, she'd be alone for the rest of her life. But not just for me, for all the other people that have experienced loneliness in so many different capacities. And to the people, especially, you know, during the pandemic and ongoing pandemic, I mean, this is definitely a global health concern because it's not just happening in the United States. The more I've talked about loneliness, the more I hear other people say, me too. Yeah, I think I that's that the most beautiful thing that you that you brought out to light is the fact that there are so many people who are feeling lonely and alone. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when I, I think the most beautiful thing about the personal development work and the healing work is that it takes us to places that we never thought would be possible when we're open to it, right? I never set out to be a girl on forgiveness. And I now have a tattoo on my left wrist in my mom's handwriting that says forgive. I never set out for it. The thing is, is that when we can listen to our heart and we can really yeah. open ourselves up to what's possible, that's yeah. where the deepest healing also happens. 
Yeah. Now, when I was on the run today, I sat with this loneliness piece and it really has been a part of what's gotten me into some of the relationships that I've actually gotten myself into that I've accepted along the way. Yeah. I want to dive into though, what is the difference? And I know that everybody defines words differently. What right. is the difference though between alone and loneliness? When you're looking at this work, what is, how do you compare, contrast the two? You know, it's funny because um, a publisher asked me that question. She was asking me, what's the difference between loneliness and solitude? And I said, solitude is a choice. Mm. Loneliness is usually something you get thrown into and you didn't choose it. You didn't want it. Right. Um, Yet what I'm trying to help people understand is that even if you didn't choose loneliness, there is, I get emotional, there is one of the most powerful invitations waiting for you deep in those dark and uncomfortable um, moments of loneliness that is waiting for you to discover a part of your soul, a part of who you are um, that requires the unknown of loneliness because solitude and alone, like I choose to be alone. I choose to dine alone. You know, I'm choosing to stay alone at, you know, at home tonight. I'm choosing to be single. I want this loneliness is losing your mother. You know, when you weren't prepared, it's, it's losing that, that, that best friend that you never thought you'd lost. And all of a sudden you realize that she's not there anymore. Loneliness is, is, you know, this dichotomy sometimes that happens in life. Like, let's say you give birth and, you know, you've been wanting this baby for so long, but all of a sudden you're cut off from this sense of identity or society and you you feel so alone in your home raising this tiny little human and you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to about adult things and you're feeling this sense of disconnect from within because you're going through an identity shift um so you know loneliness as uncomfortable as it can be it definitely is a transformative process that if you can develop the tools and support to go through it and reframe it you're going to come out of it, not just, I don't want to say the word stronger, but you're going to come out of it more whole. I think loneliness is something that we have from a psychoanalytic analytic perspective, we've split off like, oh, we don't want to feel that. And if you feel that, that means you're something's wrong with you or you did something wrong or, ooh, you're not popular if you feel lonely or, ooh, like that's embarrassing to admit you're lonely. You know, we've split it off. But when you own it and you integrate it, it's priceless to feel more whole. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to feel good, but there's this other layer that you are integrating back into yourself that I think um, just adds value to your whole journey of self-awareness and personal development. I posted in my social media a couple days ago, or was it yesterday? It was yesterday, actually, about um, one of my most lonely times was when I would be lying in bed next to my husband. I'm going to get extremely vulnerable here. And I felt this disconnect and I would ask what's wrong. And the reply was, everything's fine. I'm good. It's okay. Right. I wasn't fine. And there was no connection, that deep, intimate connection of allowing yourself to be seen actually not even allowing yourself, you're wanting to be seen, you're asking to be seen and understood, and you're not being seen and understood. And then what happens in that rollover 
and you cry yourself to sleep and you say, okay, I'm okay. Another day will be tomorrow. And like, we'll wake up tomorrow and it'll just be another day. And it's probably for me at the core, as I'm looking back and this happened, I mean, 10 plus years ago, right? This was years and years and years ago. And by far and none, that was the pit of my loneliness. Now, coming out of that and finding out and understanding through my divorce where that loneliness was coming from and making more sense of it, when I was going through that transition in my life where I felt like nobody was seeing me, nobody could understand my story, nobody could understand the depth of my pain, my PTSD that I was living in, one of the most important things that I found in stepping out of my loneliness was speaking my truth and also saying, hey, look, this is where I'm at. You may not understand it. Try and just see me for who I am. That's it. I think that experience of lying in bed with your partner, whether you're married or not, and feeling that disconnect and feeling so alone in your relationship is more common than you think. You know, I 100% agree. There's a quote that says, what we think is most personal is actually what's most universal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what happens unconsciously is that we project that unmet soul need that we're looking for onto our partner. And we're thinking like, why aren't you not showing how much you love me? Or why are we not connected? Or, you know, why aren't you showing the effort to show that you're interested in in what I'm doing or who I am or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a starting point. And and I don't want to minimize, and, you know, there are relationships where you may not feel valued or there's, there's communication issues with your partner and there's some serious concerns that need to be addressed. But I think if you can go deeper and say, okay, where inside of myself am I not giving my soul attention, my spirit attention, my truth attention? Where am I not creating space to allow myself to explore the deeper parts of who I am? Where am I still scared to connect to the unknown? And um, so I think in those moments of aloneness, Yes, it's important to address what's going on in your relationship, but the most important relationship is the relationship with yourself. And Amen, so many sister. Us, yeah, but Amen. yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like when I talk about the relationship with yourself, it kind of reminds me of that comment, like, well, you got to love yourself before you love anyone else. And I'm like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Like, <laughs> well, you got to love yourself. Well, you know, it's not just saying, oh, I love you. You know, I love you, body. I love you, person. I love, you know, no, it's okay. Um, I love myself enough to challenge myself, to, to, to ask the deeper questions, to, to dig deeper um, and, you know, look at the things that I've been resisting that still keep persisting, like, you know, that self-love. And so I think in these moments where, whether you're with a partner or not, and you're sitting there and lo- alone, either you're alone, you're the only body in the bed, or you're feeling alone. And you're having the, that moment where I think from a primal level, you're, our brains are wired for connection. So that sense of fear that we experience when we're feeling alone, real or imagined, or we're feeling lonely, real or imagined, there is a real physiological response to that because your limbic system is saying, hey, in order to survive, we need to connect. We need to be around other humans. We need to feel connected. So when we feel disconnected, I think there's both a physiological and a psychological response that says, hey, hey, something's off here. So definitely that's something to pay close attention to. 
But when we put all that onto another person that they need to help us feel connected, that's where we are putting ourselves in danger. And that's where we are limiting ourselves from really connecting to our deeper power. So again, like back to those moments, acknowledge it. But I think if you could look at it as an invitation to do the deeper work and to really step up with grit and bravery and courage, and I think most important, curiosity Mm -hmm. and compassion, then you can reframe the entire experience of loneliness, even the discomfort um, that comes along with it. Yeah, it's so you stated that that quote is the quote that I actually ended up writing in my book. That was one of the most important things that I realized in the writing of my book and also looking back into my age of 17 when I had my first trauma and all, you know, this through this journey of my own self-discovery the yes. most important relationship that you can have is that one with yourself. And yes. it is, it's this like, uh, it's this pulling back the layers into saying, I love me so much that I am going to close the door on this relationship. I am going to, you know, dive into my own self-forgiveness. I am going to look at the patterns of my life because you're right. What persists, what we resist will persist. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so good. So when you're ta- how many people do you feel in this world right now? are let's go into the statistics of this how many people are sitting here right now feeling like they're alone or lonely not realizing how many people actually feel this way right now you know i just want to come back to something that you had mentioned you know one of your first traumatic experiences was at 17 and it made me think you know in these moments of loneliness um and you know there's this you know i'm saying oh there's an invitation to get to know yourself on a deeper level i also want to highlight something that has happened to many of us who've experienced childhood trauma those of us who did not have our basic needs mirrored or met you know the right to be seen the right to be heard people who didn't experience positive mirroring in their family system people who didn't feel safe in their own homes or safe with their own parents it's really fucking hard to yeah. get to know who you are when it was never modeled get to know yourself be, like just be just be yourself i that used to piss me off just be yourself like well i don't know what it means to be myself because i've been a fucking chameleon the whole time because that's how i survived if i didn't learn how to people please and figure out what you needed from me then i didn't know how i was going to survive i mean i lived alone my junior and senior year of high school um and being in, a, in an apartment literally all by yourself where there's no other sibling or parent no other mirroring like Oh, having a bad day. Oh, having a good day. Like that basic mirroring of neurons is so vital to brain health. So I just want to also acknowledge for many of the listeners who are listening who experience significant um, invalidation emotionally, physically in their upbringing. This idea of getting in touch with yourself and using, you know, loneliness is an invitation to get to know who you are. Like, yeah, I could see, I could see some eye rolls because, you know, It's not easy to figure that out when it hasn't been modeled to you. And that's where I think one of the things that you talk about so often is so important to this process community. Mm -hmm. If you resonate with feeling that you didn't have that proper modeling or that safe environment in your own home or, you know, place of living, maybe it was the neighborhood, the city, the country, you know, finding a sense of community now and taking autonomy for your personal development for your healing is so important that just setting the intention, I intend, I'm making the intention 
to find the community where I feel safe, where I can be mirrored. And for some people, they've never had that. So whether it's a yoga community, a painting community, a hiking community, finding some group where you can be around people that have certain values that that you have, that you share in common and, and feeling some sense of belonging, but most important to experience the actual mirroring you know, right. when you're when you're resonating, you're, that neural resonance when you as a group are doing something that you all like together and you're experiencing that mirroring, that's huge. That's where maybe for the first time someone gets to to experience, wow, is this what it means to be myself, to do the things that I like? There's so many people that don't even know what they like because they've been people pleasing their whole lives that they, they don't even know. So true. So true. You know, I lead retreats in the Grand Canyon in Alaska, the San Juan Mountains. And part of what I ask of people to do, which is something so simple, is to play. Play and get curious. Just play and get curious. And it never fails. Every single retreat, I have people say, I don't even know what it is to play. I don't know what it is to get curious. I don't know what it is to skip or to, you know, slow down and to observe. It's so interesting to me how as we continued on as an into adulthood how quickly we moved into adulthood first of all and left the child behind yes there's a couple of things that i want to touch on for a lot of people it can be really hard to reach out and ask for help yes a lot of people it can be extremely hard to say i want that community I want to find those people who are in my space that can support and love me. It's really hard to receive, especially for those people that have not had it modeled for them because they think it's wrong. They think, okay, that's being selfish. And one of the most important things is to be able to receive and to be able to ask for help. That can be, that alone can be one huge step. Yes. I think something that's not being named in that is learned helplessness. That's a trauma Uh response. People who've experienced complex PTSD, ongoing trauma, whether that was in your childhood, adulthood, this ongoing sense of stress and trauma that felt like it had no ending can often lead to deeper experiences of learned helplessness where it's kind of like the idea of damned if I do, damned if I don't. If I ask for help, it's not going to make a difference. If I don't ask for help, it's going to be the same. It's been like this the whole time. You know, what's the point of even asking for help? I do believe each person listening has the ability to tap into their self-agency, to their own autonomy, to really take that first action step to do one thing that's different. So even if you do have learned helplessness, the acknowledgement of it, even if you do have the fear of asking for help, the acknowledgement that it exists, and even though the fear is there, even though the discomfort is there, that doesn't mean that you can't do it. Can't, I look at C-A-N apostrophe T, can't is just an apostrophe and T away from can. Mm. And the thing that usually gets us stuck in the can't are all the thoughts related to that T. So if you Mm. write it out, C-A-N apostrophe T, circle the T. What are all the thoughts that you're telling yourself, that negative self-talk, that Mm. old narrative, that problematic story that was based on, yes, a a real problem, but that old problem is still affecting your choice of behaviors today? So yes, let's acknowledge the trauma. Let's acknowledge any emotional, physical abuse. Let's acknowledge any other injustices that were uh, experienced. And let's challenge the thoughts that you're still feeding, that still feed the dominant story. 
So when you really take 100% accountability for your to, of your healing, but I also say take 100% accountability for your story. I mean, yeah. my story didn't start out the way that I preferred it to, but when I own it, when the more, and, and that's, I think the process of loneliness, writing this book proposal has actually forced me to own a part of my story that I've been so embarrassed about for so long. I've been carrying so much shame about all the moments of loneliness. Even last weekend, I went to New York with my son and I had this moment of feeling really lonely. This dichotomy of, wow, I'm here in this amazing city with my seven-year-old son. We won these tickets to go to the Yankees game. I wanted to see my friend who was out of town. And as beautiful as the weekend was, I didn't have a friend my age to meet or share the city with. And I felt this like, oh, I've invested all my time in my relationship with my son for the past seven years. And I haven't been investing in my friendships and the sense of loneliness and shame. And did I fuck it up? And this is my fault. And I wouldn't be feel I wouldn't be mm. feeling lonely right now if I would have better invested in my friendships and playtime and la, 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 la. We do that to ourselves. We tell ourselves a story that usually isn't true. At least 62% of Americans are saying that they feel lonely sometimes or all the time. Wow. And so, you know, I just want to go back to circling the T and taking 100% responsibility for your thoughts and the story you tell yourself. That moment of feeling lonely and, and wishing I had a friend to experience that weekend with is not my fault. It's not right. because I didn't invest in my friendships. You know, it's it's also based on you know, circumstance, it could be based on, yes, problems of, I don't know, not having enough support, this productivity culture that we live in, the go, go, go hustle culture that we live in, that also contributes to us not playing and us not connecting. I mean, that's a bigger problem. But when we start to personalize our loneliness, um, and, and we blame ourselves for it, we get caught up in this whole, all it does is just reinforce the loneliness and the problem itself. So my reminder to you is, Question the story you tell yourself about your loneliness. Circle the thoughts. Explore what are you saying you can't do. Get more curious about the can. You can tap into a community. You can meet a new friend. You can rewrite, not rewrite your story. You can begin to author a new chapter, a preferred chapter, a preferred narrative that doesn't necessarily have to be based on the problem of feeling disconnected, that you don't belong, that you're not important, because these are the universal pain points that I think we all have that we get caught up in. And if you're not aware of it, you'll end up just self-fulfilling prophecy. You'll end up recreating the same damn story that doesn't serve you anymore. Ah. God, I love you. I would have been sitting right there with you enjoying that moment. Just, <laughs> you know, so there's, um, there is something that I want to tap into, uh, which is dating. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking about dating. I honestly, like sometimes with my clients, I'm like, can we just talk about the people that you're dating? And, yeah, like, I, I really do want to, I, this is, there's, there's, there's a, there's a few stories within this that I want to bring yeah. to light. So I, I want to share this with everybody. One of the things that happened to me now I'm turning 50 this year. Uh, I'm dating. Thank you. I'm super excited about it. Love it. I love the decades. My forties was, that was my definitely, I mean, everything happened to me at the age of 40. And so that was my like 
everything happened at 40, uh, including my self-revelation, right? My divorce happened in this, selling my home, getting rid of everything, adventuring in life. This, the 40s, for anybody entering the 40s, for me, it was the coolest, most difficult, most amazing, beautiful, definitely the most transformative decade of my life. Now, stepping into my 50s, I'm freaking excited. Like, this is going to be awesome. I will say that coming out of a breakup in my 40s, I went on, a, I went to Prague, my very first uh, trans, my very first trip overseas alone. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. I went over to watch my son play water polo uh, wow. with the junior national team. It was absolutely one of the most amazing trips of my life because yeah. I thought I was going to be doing it with my then boyfriend, needless yeah. to say, did not. And it ended up, unbeknownst to me, being again one of my most amazing experiences because I was not, I realized this during that time, I was not alone. I was not lonely because I also spent that time literally exploring not only a new city, but a new portion yes. of within myself. Yes. And it's, this is when we're talking about, it's an invitation to yes. find out this new part of you. And now I'm entering this phase of dating again. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who are in this phase. How do we know when you are going into this uh, space of dating, how do we know when, first of all, you're ready, right? And then also, uh, how do we not approach it from a space of lack, from a space of, I need to have connection. I need to, where it's almost like this anxious attachment. And if we can even step into the attachment theories so that you're coming from a healthy attachment. Now, I'm definitely in a space of healthy attachment right now. Yes. Where I know like what I want. I know what I deserve. I know this space of who I want beside me. Mm-hmm. I also know that sometimes, and I've witnessed it over and over and over again, where people step into it like, I'm just lonely. And so I have to find that person. And then they end up in a relationship that is not healthy. And then yes. they're like, how am I here again? <laughs> Which yeah. is... Needless to say, how I ended up in the relationship prior to, which then let me led me into this beautiful space of Prague alone, uh, yet not alone, which I'm thankful for that. I think a starting point is, you know, to answer your question, how do you know, is to ask yourself yourself this question. Do I enjoy my own company? Well, that's it. How do I feel in my body when I am in my own company? Mm-hmm. And I think when you get to that level of maturity, regardless of age, you know, when you get to that level of emotional maturity, that you truly enjoy the company of yourself. I love that's, me. That's freedom. Yeah, you know, do you know one of the things I just want to yeah. state this? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never I shared that. this on a podcast before, but I, I think you're going to enjoy this. Please. You know, when I was go- when I was going through my divorce, I remember yeah. I did this with my clients. I remember sitting uh, my, my former husband, mm-hmm. we were going through this back and forth of divorce, right? Like yes. find the damn papers. Can I just move on? Right. We, how yes. many people are in this? And I remember saying to him, God bless him, because I really do hope the best, you know, and, and wish the best for everybody that's going through any sort of divorce. It's difficult. Yeah. Uh, I remember saying to him, look, could you please sign the papers? I said, I get it. I wouldn't want to divorce me either. <laughs> And I need to move on. 
<laughs> and, and it wasn't from a place of ego. It was literally yeah. from a place of even in my brokenness, because I did yeah. have a lot of healing to do back then. Yeah. Even in that space of I could see and witness with myself where I needed to learn so much more about me before I stepped into that next space. Yes. Even in that space, I loved me. And right. I had this self-love and I had this self uh, observance of imperfections and love of those imperfections so that I could grow more deeply into who I needed to become. Mm. If you don't enjoy your own company, if, and I used to be in that place where being alone felt so uncomfortable because it reminded me of my premature loneliness of, you know, being living alone at at 17. I mean, this was like 1997, you know, it's like before cell phones. I mean, mean, we had cell, I mean, I had cell phones just in case of an emergency, right? Right. But before FaceTime and Instagram and all that stuff where, you know, coming back into this apartment after school where it was like, dead quiet. And, you know, I would, I would open up a can of black beans and and I'd make rice, like, you know, or eat cereal for dinner and no one had talked like that was an, I would say a premature loneliness that I think stunted in a certain, a certain emotional immaturity. So in my late twenties, after my first big breakup or my early thirties, being by myself felt really scary because it reminded me of that void. I felt that like almost like, um, overwhelming um isolation that that didn't feel good and it i actually enjoy my own company like i want i crave some alone time i want to choose alone time because i was one of those people that was always on the go busy 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 because a i didn't want to feel my feelings and b i would at least be surrounded by people if i was busy and on the go there was always people around. And so if you notice that you're someone who doesn't feel comfortable being comfortable being alone, you're always surrounding yourself by other people, you know, if you're going from one breakup to the next, then maybe you're not really ready for dating. Maybe dating has become another ego defense mechanism to prevent you from feeling your deeper feelings or from feeling loneliness at its core. And then you're missing out on the invitation because it wasn't until I finally said, okay, fuck it. Like, this is it. Like I need to get real and, and just give myself a timeout and get to know who I am and sit, you know, there was times when I was, I was doing my, my PhD program and I would sit on the balcony and and I would just feel like this horrible sense of loneliness, like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be sitting on this balcony alone for the rest of my life. So we get into these absolutes sometimes with loneliness. Mm-hmm. And that's another sign that I don't think you're ready for dating. If you're like, I'm always going to be alone. I'm never going to find someone. And then you kind of like, but I wish I would find that person right now. Then most likely you're feeling some kind of void and you're probably going to attract someone that is just going to reinforce the sense of void or loneliness that you have because you like attracts like. If you are approaching dating from a scarcity mindset most likely you will attract a person who has a scarcity mindset and two scarcity mindsets can lead you to the first problem that scarcity mindset that fear of getting to know who you are that sense of disconnect so you know again i think within as uncomfortable as loneliness can be when you have the courage, the bravery, and the grit, and the curiosity and compassion 
to go a little bit deeper and explore when you get to have those moments where you're like, Oh, this is who I am. Oh, this is who I like. Oh yes. This was scary, but wow. I'm feeling this whole other part of myself. Wow. Is this what it means to know who I am? Then when you start to develop that, then you attract different people. You attract people who also are curious, who have had the grit and the bravery to be alone, to figure out who they are. And then when you start to tap into an abundant mindset and you attract that, that's a whole other experience dating. I, I just love this. (laughs) There's so much that I, there's so much that I read that just, it just, it, I resonate with it. I so resonate with so much of this. And I'm sitting here thinking about so many of my clients where I'm going to be sending this to them immediately. And like, you got to listen to this because this is the scarcity mindset is key. It's Oh key. yeah. Yeah. It's key. yeah. And it's, you know, when we're, when we're even for friendships, relationships, whatever it is, um, so often we will accept for ourselves what we would not want others to accept for themselves. Right. And so that's been one of the biggest keys in my own building of relationships and also stepping away from some relationships, because I'm like, that's just not going to serve me, if you will, uh, down the line as I'm rising into this next space of understanding myself and really, truly getting to know who I am. Yes. I'm just having this aha moment. You know, first of all, I want to let the listeners know, I never want to pretend that whatever I'm saying that I'm coming from this place where um, I haven't experienced what I'm talking about. Like I have dated out of scarcity mindset. I have dated out of feeling, yeah, like, oh, I don't want to feel alone. Yeah, you know, so for the person that's listening, that you are honest enough with yourself to truly acknowledge that, yes, I am afraid to be alone. And the person that I'm dating right now was motivated out of the fear in me to be alone then most likely you are experiencing a deeper sense of aloneness in this relationship. Because Mm -hmm. if you date out of the fear of being alone, what you resist persists. So there most likely will be a moment in that relationship where you start to feel alone in that relationship. And so if you can have the courage to acknowledge, yes, I'm scared to be alone. And instead of trying to fill that void with another human being that most likely has the same fear of being alone and you say, okay, Let me face this fear with courage and curiosity and compassion. Well, let's break the word alone. Can I start to value all the parts in me and start to understand, you know, not that old adage, oh, we're all one. But, you know, maybe there is this invitation within that aloneness to discover, you know, all the parts of you, but to discover a deeper value within you that you've been ignoring because you keep looking to find that connection with another person, which unconsciously devalues you. It's like, I'm not valuable enough to, to be by myself um, because it's so uncomfortable and I'm so scared to be alone, but I'm not valuable enough to, to appreciate my own value. So I'm going to go out there and try to find someone who values me so I can feel connected. It's just a recipe for feeling more disconnected. Yeah. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts through your feelings. A lot of people try to intellectualize their feelings, including me. I've done it a very long time. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, this is what it means to feel your feelings. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So now this is where the healing starts. And the same thing with dating and connectedness. There's no shortcuts 
through escaping that feeling of being all alone. It's a universal experience. Loneliness is universal. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how famous you are. I don't care how popular you are. I don't care how successful you are, right? Or the other extreme. I don't care how poor you are. I don't care how, you know, not famous you are, unsuccessful you are. We will all experience loneliness at one point in our in our life. So again, when you can look for the golden ticket, the Willy Wonka golden ticket, you know, invitation that's inside and say, okay, all right, I'm willing to do this. I got the grit. I can truly value the mystery within me. And I don't know what's there, but I'm willing to discover. I'm willing to ask the questions. I'm willing to play. I'm willing to ask for help. I'm willing to create community. I'm willing to cry. I'm willing to feel the bigger feelings. I'm willing because I think that's the recipe for change. Yeah. And I'm borrowing this yeah. willingness plus acceptance equals change. I'm borrowing that from Marsha Linehan. She created uh, dialectical behavior therapy. If you have the willingness to accept, yes, I am so damn scared to be alone. I'm so damn scared to feel lonely and I'm out there dating desperately so I can find someone. If you have the willingness to accept that that's your truth, then I encourage you to have the willingness to accept the invitation for invitation. Pause the dating, pause the searching, and, 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 and ask the deeper questions. How can I get more curious about the parts of me that I've split off, ignored, judged, banished? How can I call those parts of me? Because that's what it's really about. It's about connecting to the parts of you that either society, your family, or other people deemed as shameful or bad or that you split off. This is really about calling back those parts and integrating the total you. And loneliness is is a container to do that. It's so beautiful. It's so, so beautiful. One of the things that I know as I, I do a lot of my like exploration thinking, really just pondering, reflecting when I'm exercising, when I'm on the water, in nature, climbing mountains, doing all the things. Yeah. And this morning, and even yesterday when I was on my paddleboard, I was thinking about where did this loneliness within my life start? where was my moment when I was younger that I remember feeling lonely? And for me, it was not being seen or understood because I am a little different than a lot of people. I accept that. I love that about me. I'm not meant to be like everybody else. I have a high EQ. I remember one of my uh, friends saying to me, and and I, God love him. uh, He said to me, you know, Sarah, dating, if I, he's not single. Uh, And he said to me, if I was dating and if I was looking and he said, I got to tell you, you might be a little bit, I might be a little afraid of you because you do it. And it's okay. I'm totally good with this. Uh, He said, uh, he said, you have a very high EQ. You have a very high IQ. And he said, you, you like, you love to adventure. Like it's, it's like all of the, all of it. And he said, your EQ can be a little bit intimidating, meaning emotional space, right? For those that are not, 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 if you don't know, right? Which is really cool. Um, And it's true. All the people who are listening that have high EQs, um, that there's usually high empathy that comes with that. And one of the things I'm starting to question and discover about myself and other high empaths, highly sensitive people, if you know, HSP or, you know, whatever words you are, highly sensitive people or, you know, high empaths, high, you know, emotionally cute. Um, 
where there's high empathy, there's usually some sense of loneliness because in that high empathy, you absorb both cognitively and emotionally from other people. And it can get really crowded as oh. an empath because you've got your own feelings, right? You're picking up Very other crowded. people's feelings and thoughts and you get really full. And sometimes I think within that, there's a sense of overwhelm. And if you don't know how to manage your own sensitivity or being a high empath, you may not have the boundaries or the ability to say no or know really where your limits are because you're a person that's used to just pushing yourself beyond your limits. And then sometimes within, in those moments of being a high empath, you might not return people's phone calls. You might feel too exhausted. You might, you know, cancel plans. You might create your own sense of self-isolation because energetically you're so full. That's what you need. So I think also within loneliness, if you are someone that does have a lot of empathy and you tend to absorb other people's emotions, especially other people's anxiety and stress, then I think this is also a good reminder to get curious how you can better manage your own energy. Because I think that's that's another component to trying to figure out who you are. Someone who's an empath or someone who has developed people-pleasing as a way to survive in this world, there are so many layers of thoughts and emotions that you've absorbed from other people that it can get really confusing. Is this mine or theirs? Is this, a really, right. is this really the way I think about this? Or is this the way I've just, can, you know, conform to survive my environment and I thought I thought this but I really don't so I think there's also a whole like deconstruction process that's required of someone who has high empathy um, in this whole experience of loneliness because most likely a lot of a lot of the energy and stuff that you've absorbed is not even yours so that could also maybe be a little bit uplifting you know to unburden yourself say okay Maybe some of this is not just me. This is other people. And how can I, you know, just start the process of, 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 of separating all the stuff and, and create maybe loneliness is actually the space you need from not absorbing everyone's stuff and not continuing to sacrifice your own needs to please others. So maybe loneliness is not just an invitation, but it's, it's the break that you've been asking for. You just didn't know how to ask or you mm. didn't give yourself permission. So maybe it is this phase in your life that you've been needing and it's finally presented itself. So it's not, not necessarily such a bad thing. There's so many things that I could keep touching on with you, like attachment theories. Like there's so yeah. many things, there's so many things. And I know that we do have to break uh, in just a few moments. Um, and, and, and at the same time, I'm like, I just want to keep going. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I just want to keep going. We're going to have to do a part two to this. Can we have a part two to this? I actually Please. would love to. I would love yes. to. I really, yes. one of the things that I know, uh, you know what? Let's do this because this is how I operate. And I love this. Okay. The Everybody that's listening to this, here's what I want you to do. This is your call to action. Go in, leave comments, send me a message and ask me what other things would you like us to talk about when it comes to the subject matter? Because it really, truly is an epidemic. And yes. Dr. Sylvia, if you would mind coming back and also I would love to answer these, we can yes. even do it on a 15 minute short, whatever works. Yes. Uh, I would love that because this is such a topic, a hot yes. topic for so many people, especially coming out of the pandemic and trying to reintegrate into this world in a different kind of way. We can't do it the way that we are doing it. We simply mm -hmm. can't. It just doesn't mm -hmm. operate that way. It doesn't work that way. 
And it's really important to say also that our Z generation, our youngest demographic is reporting the loneliest, loneliness, loneliest generation. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's something really important to pay attention to that our youngest generation are the loneliest. Yeah. So we need to keep talking about this. And the more we talk about it, I think the better we'll feel and the less alone we'll feel in it. I a hundred percent agree. Everyone, if you could leave comments, please, and, or just message me uh, through Instagram, through social media, through my email, Sarah at message Dr. Sylvia. I'm going to have you drop in all of your contact information where people can find you as well. And let's keep this conversation going, not only for self and also for others, for our kids and for the generation, like you were saying, right? Yes, yes, yes. Our 18 to 24 year olds. Definitely. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's unreal. It's unreal. I, I witness it over and over and over again. So where can people find you? Let's talk about the book quick. Give us all of the juice because you're amazing. And I want everybody oh, to find you. Thank you. you. Uh, Instagram. So at Dr. Sylvia K that's spelled D-R-S-Y as in Yankee L-V-I-A letter K. So Dr. Sylvia K. Um, I have a website, drsylviak.com have my podcast the dr sylvia k show um i'm still in the book proposal form of lonely af um i am starting an online course um starting in september late september where uh, it'll be a small group course where we're going to go through these layers of loneliness and also create you know not just the group support but we're going to create that community we're also going to create the conversations that are healing and find constructive um, and holistic ways to create the tools within to really create that connection within ourselves so that we can strengthen our connections outside of us. Love it. Book proposals are a pain in the ass. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) I had to do one too. And it's also the deepest, most incredible exploration of self and what is possible. So I I remember it like it was yesterday and it's hard. That's all I can say. It's hard. It's harder than writing the book. I feel like so good for you. And I commend you and I am Thank so you. blessed and honored to have had you on for this Me hour, too. continue this conversation at a later yes. date. Uh, it feels like serendipity. Oh, it absolutely is. And I, I also want to say, um, I am, I'm, I'm so excited for your flight across the pond. I'm so excited. Yes. I'm, I'm so excited for this next transition of self with yes. what is happening in your life. Yes. I, I will be doing this in two years myself when my youngest is out of the house. And I'm really, really excited for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. So thank you for being on. My pleasure. I can't wait to come back. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm grateful to have you here. I believe in you. I believe in us and always will. Life can get hard, but I promise you on the other side, it's glorious. I'd love to invite you over to sarahsholtenkranz.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to thriver. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, 
or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments, and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great day. Thank you.